Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Pure Faith Podcast. In today's episode, it is actually going to be a recording from a sermon that I did this past Sunday, which would have been June 19th, and we just thought that we would like to share it with everybody. So, again, this is just a recording. We hope you enjoy it, and don't forget to log on to your favorite podcast app and leave a review so others can find us. And we also ask that you log on to our website, which is purefaithliving.com, where we have a few blog posts up there for you to read and enjoy and give us some feedback. We thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy the sermon. So as you guys remember from the last couple of weeks, um, Pastor was talking about casting our nets and being willing to go out, to step out, to, to, so we don't judge who we are, who we're gathering. So, and the cool part about this is, whenever pastor asked me to, to do this, to bring this message, I already had my, my stuff picked out. And I never told him what it was, but then, and so yeah, there's no communication there. So whenever he came out and said that the message that he was going to bring the two weeks prior to him leaving was going to be on becoming fishers of men, that worked perfectly with what I had planned. And that's just showing that God has his hands on, on what we're doing here. And so has anybody ever seen these symbols? By a show of hands, has anybody seen this? They know what they mean, what they represent? Maybe might look familiar, maybe. So, these are not hieroglyphics. These actually have meaning behind them. But these are called the gospel symbols. And this is what we're going to cover today. And I titled this Back to Basics because these symbols represent the, the core beliefs of what Jesus did in the gospels. So as you read through the gospels, we can sum up all four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, with these five symbols. So we're going to go through them one by one, so I can explain where they are. I'll give you scripture where they're from. So today there's going to be a lot of reading from scripture, and there's too much for me to put on slides, so I'm just going to be reading out loud. So if you want to grab Bibles, follow along. The first symbol that we're going to cover is the down arrow. And this down arrow represents the fact that Jesus came down from heaven. And we see this in Luke 2, 1 through 14. So this will sound familiar for most of you. Um, this is the story of Jesus' birth. You hear this every Christmas, so it's not really anything new here. But I'm going to go ahead and read uh, Luke 2, 1 through 14. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. 
And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So, again, this is a critical part of our Christian belief. Why? Because this is where the gospel starts. This is where it all starts. Without the birth of Jesus, there is no gospels. The story has no place to go. So as we look at this first down arrow, this, this is the beginning. This, this is where everything starts. And let's highlight the fact that it is Father's Day weekend. So fathers and mothers, I'm sure you can do this too. But if you look back and think about when your children are born, when you have these, these infants, these newborn babies that are super small. I mean, I remember, you know, whenever Zeke was born, and unfortunately I'll never forget that because I'm scarred forever because of it. But children are fragile. They're, I mean, we're talking about Jesus here. Jesus was God. Jesus was the son of man. And he chose to come down as a baby, as an infant, who couldn't take care of himself. I mean, he had to be fed, clothed, changed, all this other stuff. He couldn't take care of himself. Jesus had the power to come down as a man. He was God. He could do whatever he wanted. But he chose to come down as a baby, to be in that weak state, to have that ability to feel everything through life. So whenever it did come time to the cross, he knew what it was truly like to be human. Nobody could say he took a shortcut. He did all of it. And so this leads us into our next one. And the second one is the cross. And this one is probably pretty obvious because Jesus died for us on the cross. And this I am going to read in Mark 15, 33 through 39. And so it reads, At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, Listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on his staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. So this is the second step. And again, this is a fundamental truth. What did Jesus do for us? First, he was born and came down from heaven. Second, he died on the cross. But the thing is, without Jesus dying on the cross, we would still all be under the law. We would still be in that old way of thinking. But since Jesus did come, he was born of the Virgin Mary. 
he did die on the cross as a sacrificial lamb for all of us. With him, he took all of our sin. All sin that ever was, all sin that will ever be. It's gone. It's wiped away. It was placed on Jesus. And he acted as a sacrificial lamb. So we are no un, no longer under that weight of that sin. We are free from that sin. And so we need to live like we are free. We don't need to be putting ourselves in our own personal prisons. We need to, any sin that may be weighing on you from your past, give it to the Lord. Let it go. It's, it's no longer a part of who we are in today's age. We are under a law of grace. So going on to the third one is the tomb. That's supposed to be a tomb. I know it looks like a half-eaten donut, but that's the best I could do. So, and this is in Mark 15, 42 through 47, and it reads, It was preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that he was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph brought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph saw where he was laid. So, there's a few things to note here. One is, it said that it was preparation day, that Jesus was put in the tomb. So that would have been Friday, also known as Good Friday. <clears throat> the next day would have been Saturday, which would have been their Sabbath. They can't do anything on the Sabbath. So Jesus just laid in the tomb. They put him in there pretty hastily, so he was never properly prepared for his burial. So that's why early on the third day, which would have been Sunday morning, Mary was going to finish the whole preparation of the body. They were going to anoint the body, do everything they needed to do that they didn't get done that Friday night before the Sabbath started. And it also noted that Mary seen where they placed Jesus. But, and that's important because they knew where they were going. They knew where Jesus' body was. So there's no question about, well, maybe they just had the wrong tomb. No, they seen where they placed Jesus' body. They knew where that tomb was. And they went back to that tomb. But the tomb was empty. And that leads us into our fourth symbol. And the fourth symbol is another arrow up, which is represents the fact that Jesus rose from the dead or Jesus ascended into heaven, whichever way you want to look at it. And I'm reading Mark 16, 1-7 for this one. And it reads, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, brought, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, Jesus, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. 
You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene. He was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. So the place where they laid him, see the place where they laid him. But go, tell the disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Again, if we look back at the Gospels, Jesus was born. Jesus died on the cross. He's placed in the tomb. And now he ascended into heaven. Before he actually ascends into heaven, there's a lot of proof in the Bible that Jesus is alive. And it starts out by the first person Jesus is seen by is Mary. So Mary was one of the ones that came to the tomb. And at first she seen Jesus, she didn't recognize him. And then Jesus is like, Mary. And she realizes who it actually is. So Mary is the first one to see Jesus risen. But then there's several other stories where Jesus went to go see the disciples. And I didn't write all these down because there's just too many. Um, you also probably remember the, the story of Doubting Thomas, where Jesus said, um, you believe because you see, blessed are those who have never seen and still believe. And then if we go on to, in 1 Corinthians fifteen six, Paul notes that 500 people seen Jesus all at one time. 500 people at one time. Yeah, there's people out there that say Jesus is dead. No, Jesus is alive. And then after 40 days of him showing up and disappearing all over the place, it's when he makes his final ascension into heaven. And that leads us into our, our last symbol. And this last symbol represents the fact that Jesus will return. And we see this promise in Acts 1, 9 through 11. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them, hid him from their sight. And this key is Jesus. So after Jesus said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently, and by these it was the apostles, they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood before them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And again, this is the promise that Jesus will return. Like these two angels just said, Jesus will return in the cloud of heaven just like he went up. So we have that to look forward to. But there's a problem. We don't know when that time is. We're not supposed to know. So all we can do is live by the gospel symbols, and hopefully we do things right, and then we get to see Jesus again someday. But I want to bring this back to what Pastor's message was the last two weeks, and that's about casting your nets. And again, like I said before, when it comes to casting your nets, we can't judge who, who we pick. We can't judge who we shared this gospel with. And there's actually an interesting story, little side note that I want to talk about. And I don't know if any of you remember the Robertsons who had the, the duck show, as they call it, the duck dynasty. I listened to their podcast, I'm ashamed. And Jace was telling a story in this one episode about how he was at this party, he was young, and he was sharing Jesus with somebody else that was at this party. And, you know, he was just sharing Jesus over and over and over. And the person he was sharing with wasn't interested, wasn't buying, wanted nothing to do with it. 
ended up walking away. So Jesus at the party is going to leave. Well, somebody else comes up to him and says, I want you to baptize me. And Jesus is like, well, do you know who Jesus is? And he's like, yeah, I heard you telling the other guy. And Phil called this uh, directional dialogue. So just know that if you're out there and you're sharing Jesus with somebody, you don't know who's going to overhear you. And even though the person you're talking to may, you know, just blow you off, may not be interested, remember you're still planting that seed. But there may be somebody else that's listening in who overhears you, and they do accept Jesus. And the thing is, they might not come to you to ask you to baptize them. They may go somewhere else. So you may never know that you saved somebody else through talking to this one person who didn't accept Jesus. So that's just something interesting to keep in mind when it comes to the fact that you're out there sharing Jesus. But also taking you back to the fact that we're spreading our nets. Well, this is a tool you can use. If you're out there and somebody asked you, like, oh, I, I heard that you're into this whole Jesus scene. Um, what's that all about? Well, just remember the, the gospel symbols, and you could quickly take them through the entire gospel of Jesus, highlighting all the main points, and, you know, basically share them the good news. But I have a few points of how you can do this. And it starts by praying about it. So, obviously, if you're looking for these opportunities, you need to start with prayer. And this could just be, Lord, put somebody in my path today that I can share the gospel with. It doesn't have to be anything special. Just add it into your prayers. But the key thing about that is, that leads into number two, where if you're praying for those opportunities, you need to be looking for the opportunities. Because if you're praying about it and you're not looking for the opportunities, an opportunity could come right up to you. You're not looking for it, walk right by it, and now the Lord answered your prayer and you just completely ignored it. So you need to pray about it, but then you need to look for those opportunities. And you can look for those opportunities in family, co-workers, friends, some random person at the grocery store or gas station, be anywhere. Just, just need to keep your eyes open and, and realize that the Lord is, you're praying about it, the Lord will put somebody in your path. You just need to be looking for it and, and be able to recognize it whenever that comes. The third one is you need to trust the Lord. So it's all fine and dandy to pray about it and look for the opportunities. Well, what if, okay, now you have somebody that you have that opportunity in front of you. Well, what do you do? Well, you're probably, if it's your first time, you're probably going to be really scared, nervous, don't know what to do. That's when you need to put all your trust in the Lord. The Lord will give you the words you need, and you just need to trust that he's going to give you those words. And just say whatever he brings to your heart. There's no right or wrong answer. If you're sharing Jesus, there's no right or wrong answer. You just need to share. You just need to speak. And that leads into the last one. Oh, one more last thing on trusting the Lord. In Romans 8.31, it says, If God is for us, who can be against us? Again, you have the Lord on your side. If the Lord is on your side, you have nothing to worry about. But on the last one, is you have to be bold. 
And kingdom victories are not won by standing on the sidelines. And that's something I really want everybody to understand. Kingdom victories are not won by standing on the sidelines. If we want to win this nation back, then we need to stand together as one united church. And we need to be able to stand together against the devil's evil ways. Because what, what does the devil want to do? The devil wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He's trying to do that in our lives every single day, in everything that we do. He is constantly trying to put up barriers between us and God. So we need to be able to stand together as a church. We need to break through those barriers. And we need to get out there and we need to reach other people who are stuck behind those barriers. The ones that the devil has under his thumb. We need to find those people. We need to share the gospel with them using the five gospel symbols. And we need to pull them out from the devil's snares and bring them into the light of Jesus. So, if we want to win this nation back, then we need to do it by winning those kingdom victories. By going out there and finding those people. So as we leave here today, and as the praise team comes forward, I want you to remember that we are called to be disciples of Christ. And that as disciples of Christ, we need to cast our nets. And when we cast our nets, we need to make sure we are trying to win back the hearts, minds, and souls of this nation. And if we can do that, then every soul that we save will be a small victory for the kingdom of God.